0: The following audio is from Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in Rockville, Maryland. Our mission is to follow Jesus Christ and labor for his kingdom both in our area and around the world. For more information about Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, please follow us on Facebook and visit shadygrovepca.org. Well, good morning. I uh, as you would have already been warned, I'm Scott, uh, one of the elders here at Shady Grove and uh, since Pastor Bale has gone to great lengths to have a couple Sundays off, I am uh, going to preach to you, <laughs> preach to you for, uh, for the service this morning. So um, uh, I love, uh, always love the opportunity to, uh, to preach, and uh, it's always a blessing to me. I think the Lord uses it to bless my own soul, and hopefully um, by some divine miracle, the Lord will, will use me today to uh, to speak to you and to edify you and, and that you might hear Christ and, and be nourished. We have a wonderful passage today, uh, Ephesians 4. Uh, we're starting off a little oddly in the passage. Uh, it's verses 11 through 16, uh, Ephesians 4:11 through 16. And so uh, let's go ahead and pray first and, and I'll read and as always then we'll be off. Pray together with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lift up his name and let us praise him forever. Praise, praise the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. We thank you so much for the opportunity that you have gifted to us to gather this morning to worship you, to hear your word preached, and in a little while to partake in the Lord's table. You have called us out of darkness into your perfect light. You have called us, Lord, out of chaos into the household of God. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High God who created heaven and earth, who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. May we never cease to marvel and be astonished at what you have done for us and who we are in Christ. Help us to love one another, to serve one another, knowing that it is to that to which you have called that you might receive praise and worship from us lord hear our cries bless us now as we attend upon your word please give me grace to to merely and faithfully expound the text and lord give us understanding speak to us O sovereign lord Forever change us and mold us more into the likeness of your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Please follow along with me in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 11. I'll, I'll go ahead and actually I'll start with verse 9, even though we won't, we won't touch upon that necessarily. Hear God's word. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, we are reminded, uh, especially in the past several weeks, uh, really the past several years, how turbulent and chaotic this world is. Wars have broken out since the creation of of man. Nations fighting over land, nations fighting nations. We see Ukraine being invaded by Russia. We see great instability in in Asia and and now the Middle East, with Israel suffering a a horrific uh, terrorist attack. This world is a chaotic and dark place. This world is is not what it was meant to be and not what it will be one day. The Bible describes you and I prior to coming to Christ as those who were basically at war with one another, hating one another, (laughs) deceiving one another, not at peace with one another, not at peace even in our own beings, but in a constant state of chaos and disruption. We are called darkness. Not just that we were called out of darkness, but we, in fact, ourselves, as God declares in his word, were darkness. How does that sound? (laughs) How does that picture sound to you? It's pretty dark. (laughs) It's a pretty dreary, a pretty unsettling place to be. And yet you and I not only were a part of that, but we were culpable, we were in cahoots with, uh, with, with taking part in making that rosy picture so rosy. It was out of that that God called you and I into something very different. It was out of that chaos and darkness that God saved you and I. We were saved out of a very indivi- individual- individualistic <laughs> spot of warring against one another, uh, enemies of one another, and we were saved into a body. We were saved into the church. We were called and saved into the household of God. In Ephesians 1, and of course in other parts of the Bible, we're, we're told very clearly that from all eternity, God had chosen a people for himself in Christ. Before the foundations of the world, before the heavens were laid and stretched out, before the earth was created out of nothing, God chose a people for himself. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a part of et- in an eternal plan that is very special and important to God. He delights in this plan. He delights in this body that He has chosen. He delights in this bride that He foreordained and predestined for Himself to display His excellencies in manifold wisdom. We have been called into a body that is beyond our comprehension in its importance. Beyond, yes, our comprehension in its beauty, though now we see many flaws, but one day... We will be as He is when we behold Him fully in that next realm. God, the church is is, is this thing that God has chosen that He has created that He unites to Himself in Christ to display His workmanship to display through through this church to display his glory not only to the world but we're told in ephesians that the the church is an object lesson to the heavenly powers not only to the powers that are good but also to the powers that are evil the church is an is an object lesson even to the powers of darkness Remember in the Bible that we're told that even the angels long to look and to see what God is doing in salvation. You know, if God were to save anybody, you'd think that God would have, have worked out a plan to save the fallen angels. They're slightly above our rung in a sense of power and so forth. And, and yet God... Saved those who sinned so grievously against him and called them into the body of Christ. It is this body that in verses 11 through 16 I want us to, with the time that we have remaining, to think about today together. We live in a very individualistic country and And I'm sure you've heard many sayings uh, that that come forward in in our American culture. And one is, uh, I I don't agree with the words that you say, but I'll fight to the death so that you might have the right to say it and and so forth. I joined the army with a great desire and eagerness to fight alongside individuals that were willing to die for our country. So I, I love our country very much. Um, but America is not the, the city on a hill. <laughs> I listen to a lot of talk radio and I hear that all the time. We're, we're not a city upon a hill, okay? America's great. We have a lot of great things. God has been very gracious in, in blessing this country with perhaps more common graces than, than any country before us, perhaps. But America is not the body of Christ and is not the city on a hill. And while we are uh, virulent in our desire to uphold individual rights, you and I have been called to something much higher than America and something much higher to you and I. We have been called to the body of Christ and united to Christ and members of one another. And in verse 11, he says, "...and he gave the apostles, the prophets, and evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry." And Paul's dealing with the church in Ephesians here, verses 11 through 16. He would have us understand some of the gifts that Christ has gifted his church, that it might operate and successfully execute the mission that Christ has given it. And he starts out in this text with gifts. And you'll, remi- you'll be reminded or remember of, of some of the other texts when the apostles are speaking, and the apostle himself, Paul is speaking of the church, he'll, he'll mention the gifts themselves, the, the talents themselves, if you will, the, the gift of teaching and of miracles and of tongues and, and of caring and, and loving one another and showing hospitality. But here, the gifts are actually the individuals themselves. Now, what is interesting about the beginning here in this little passage that we're looking at today in verse 11 What do all these individuals have in common so far as what do they do? What is common among the several individuals here and what they do and how they serve the church? What is the main thing that they do? It is to proclaim and to expound what? The Word of God. The Word of God is the foundation of the church. Just as our country has a constitution and different, different doctrines and teachings for, its, uh, for it to basically continue on as a country, that the church has not been left without uh, a constitution, if you will, or direction. We don't get to reinvent church in every generation. <laughs> the church may look different in some ways uh, on the peripheral, peripheral Uh, There may be different ministries uh, in some countries that are more prevalent than in others based on the needs of a particular country. But but in every age, the church does not reinvent or relay the foundation. You and I, because of our ignorance and stupidity so often displayed in our actions and in our words, God has been very gracious to us in giving us a manuscript. (laughs) We just have to follow it. And he's gifted the church with people. Gifts that enable us to better understand God's Word. We no longer have apostles and, and prophets, but we, we still have shepherds and teachers, perhaps evangelists. But these individuals God has given for the, the care and the nurture of us who sit in the pew and of one another, even other pastors profit from other pastors. Christ has given these individuals to continue to proclaim the Word of God so that, as we will see, the work of the ministry among the church can be carried out. So essential is the Word of God to the carrying out of the ministry and the building of the church. It is indispensable. You and I, if we want to be effective members of the body, if we want to be effective in ministering to one another, if we want to see the church of Christ grow internally and also numerically, then you and I must be good stewards of the Word. You and I must Savor and meditate constantly in the Word. You and I must let the Word dwell richly in us. Because it is only by as we dwell and meditate upon the Word that God, by His grace, continually grows us and makes us more Christ-like and equips us and fashions us so that we are more like Christ and less like ourselves that we might properly love and serve one another. You can't be a good church member and eat crackers. You cannot leave off the study and meditation of the Word. You cannot leave off the faithful listening and submitting to the teaching of the pastors, the teachers, the prophets, the apostles, and be a good church member. Easy? Got it? Be students of God's word. Let his word dwell richly among you. And we ought to love and honor, as we see in other letters in the New Testament, we, also, we, we must honor men such as these that were given to us to, to be under shepherds of Christ. The great and fearful task that they've been given to be faithful expositors of the word. Not only in word, but also in deed. You and I should love them greatly. We should support them. We should not make their office difficulty or burdensome. We ought not to be thorns in their sides, but realize that God, for His own name's sake, has given them to us. That they might build you and I up to do the work of the ministry. And so we see here in verse 11 that The gifts of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teacher are given so that the church may be equipped as the word is expounded and taught. And as I've already alluded to, what is this word? What is its function? What is the aim of these several offices and gifts that Christ has given to the church? But it is to equip, that is to make ready for, to make adequate the saints, for the work of the ministry. Well, what is the work of the ministry? Well, what are the many gifts that we've been made known of through the different letters of of the New Testament? We see hospitality, we see evangelism, we see care for the needy, for the, the fatherless, the widowed. All of the gifts that we see displayed, the many gifts that we dis- see displayed in, in the New Testament—that's the work of the ministry. Ministering to one another; it's not just sending out evangelists to take to take the gospel to unreached people groups. so the, the ministry of the church is to love one another and to build one another up in love, speaking the truth in love to one another. The work of the ministry is done as as we care for the needs of the saints. As we speak a a word of encouragement to one another. As we care for one another. As we check in on one another. As we care for the lost. As we care for our community. This is the work of the ministry and it is as we take in the word of God that we are further equipped to do this ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, building up the body of Christ is not just Pastor Bale's job. It's not just the session's job. It's not just the deacon's job. You and I play an integral part to this it is so important that we do not neglect to meet together, as Paul said. Well, somebody says in Hebrews. Perhaps Paul, maybe not. But as Hebrews says, do not neglect to meet together. You and I are so important to one another. We are so essential in one another's lives. You may not excuse yourself, whether through false humility or sinful neglect. You can't say, well, I am not a gifted teacher. I'm, I'm more introverted. I am actually more introverted. I, I actually don't like speaking in front of people. <laughs> uh, though I have much to say, it's not much, not much of it is very important. But uh, I, I would be fine on an island somewhere, uh, actually much better than, than on an island with many people. Um, but I can't say that because I am an introvert that therefore uh, I'm going to withdraw from the church. You can't say, for whatever reason you can think up of, and I know we all have many reasons that if we were to to sit alongside ourselves alone, and we have many reasons that we've, we've made and used as excuses as to why we have not, not only now, but maybe in the past haven't served the body of Christ as we ought to have served. We don't get to do that. Because Christ himself, when he called you to himself, imbued you with graces and and gave you talents and graces that you might build up his body. And so you and I don't get to bow out. You and I don't get to take our foot off the pedal because Christ has saved us into his body that we might be a blessing to one another, and it was nothing less than his blood that was shed on Calvary that purchased whatever gift you have. However great or small, that gift costs nothing less than the blood of Calvary. And Christian, you take that gift by God's grace, and you use it to his glory as best you can, whether little or small, because eternity will only show its, youthfulness, its usefulness and impact. Only eternity will declare to us and make known how Christ himself has made use of that in your life. You need to be in church. You need to love the saints because Christ has called you to himself that you might declare His excellencies and manifold wisdom to all of creation, and that you might be a hand or a foot or an eye or an eyelash in the body of Christ. We are built up by the word of God, so that we might together execute the ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, you and I, this is not, well, it's good, you and I need to grow individually in our understanding because that impact impacts how we are, how much of you know, effectiveness we will have in the church, right? But this is, this is a corporate growing in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is, this is a corporate attainment. This can't be done by you sitting home and reading Jonathan Edwards and praying six hours a day. That's not what this is talking about. That without this is nothing. <laughs> this without that is, not, is, is less. We all together, as we are loving and serving one another in some divine, miraculous way as God causes the growth to happen, are growing together in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is a corporate growing that occurs when the body is active and convened together and loving one another not just on Sundays, but throughout the week as we interact and grow, and as we say, do life together. I hate buzzwords, but do life together. This is something that cannot happen if you withdraw yourself from the body. We all need one another to grow and to attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We have been called to this as a body. We've been called to this process that must be done together. It takes all our gifts. It takes all our effort. It takes all our pain and toil and love for one another. Christ is building us up that we might as His body, as the church, in the midst of a great chaotic and horrific setting, which is the world today, to grow into this unbelievable beauty beautiful bride of Christ. This shining, truly this shining light and city on a hill in the midst of great darkness. So that when people look at us and see how we love one another, how we serve one another, how we reflect the love of Christ, they might see and give God praise on that great day. And so be drawn drawn to himself. You and I need this maturity. We need this unis, united, growing in faith and in the knowledge of God that we might mature to manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. It has many aims, but in our text, the aim is so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro like children so that we might not be taken captive by the human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see, there's so much that... There's all these shining, shiny objects. And, and when you and I are not faithfully growing together as a body... Again, I am not talking about you and your personal Bible study. When you and I are not faithfully carrying out the work of the ministry to one another, you and I will continue to be children. We need one another to grow in this capacity. We need one another to grow and to mature together so that we might not be caught off guard. So that we, you know, in terms of a military, you know, when you send people out, ahead of the main body of the force, they're they're in great danger because they're not together. (laughs) They can much more easily be picked off. And, And the risk is so much greater when you're out ahead of the main movement. We need to grow together that we might grow in our understanding of God's Word and minister to one another, sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. You see, when you and I get off on our on our own and withdraw ourselves we we so easily puff ourselves up we so easily comfort ourselves and and tell ourselves we're good to go and yet then when we come back and we're around godly men and women we realize man like (laughs) we we are not as hot as we thought we were we are not as good as we thought we need one another to keep us honest to spur one another on. We need to attain to the maturity, uh, to mature, mature manhood together so that we might not be caught. There's, there's so much that would, that would cause us to step aside and to be preoccupied from the main thing. We need to grow together in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God that we might be protected against these things. Rather, instead of being taken, taken captive by the, the devices and craftiness of sin and humankind, by false doctrine, rather than that, we are to speak the truth to one another in love. I and mean, we, We've also talked, you know, we've, we've talked so often, I, and at least I suppose if, if you hear other sermons and hear what's going on in the church today and and look at, at where the church has come, you'll, you'll often hear, you know, well, those people are, are truth people, but they're not really love people. And sometimes the Presbyterians get that tag. We're, we're truth people. They're really concerned about doctrine, but not so concerned about just the, the love and the, the affection of one another. And then there's the vice versa. And us Presbyterians like to look at the broader church and say, well, they're the touchy-feely people, but they don't even know what in the world truth is. Well, they're... You can't be, if you're not loving, well, you don't know what the truth is. And if you think you're really loving, well, if you think you really know, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing myself here. If you think you're really loving, but you don't know what the truth is, you're really not loving. And if you think you really got what the truth is, but you're not really loving, well, you really don't know what the truth is. Because one doesn't go forward without the other. God's word <laughs> makes us loving and affectionate because it's his means of grace to us to do so. So if we're going to be loving to one another, if we're going to be speaking the truth to one another, then we need to speak the truth in love. We ought to be so gracious to one another, so Humble in our dealings with one another, so thinking more highly of one another than ourselves, knowing that we are great sinners saved by a great God to serve a great king who has a really beautiful bride that he cares very much for and he's called us into. We, (coughs) our lives in interaction with one another, ought to be marked with the utmost humility and fear. You and I, when we are dealing with one another, should be so careful to deal with one another and speak the truth to one another in love. We should be known as a people of much grace and mercy, of much forgiveness. Do you know, is there somebody that has something against you or have you offended somebody? Then forgive. Go to them and make it right or try to make it right. If they've offended you, forgive them. We're not given the option. God says if you have offended somebody or somebody's offended you, you must forgive them. You must forgive them. You don't have an option. You can't say, I'll forgive them five days from now. You can't say, I'll start interacting with them lovingly five or ten days from now. You must forgive them because in Christ, God forgave you. And our offenses to Him far outweigh any offense that you or I could ever do to one another. No, you and I are to be loving towards one another. We are to be so saturated with the Word of God, so changed by His grace, that we speak to one another the Bible, God's truth, and do it in such a way that we can be shown that we are people that have truly been impacted by this, this truth that we want to to speak to others. So impacted and changed by this truth that our, Speaking the truth in love is so marked by humility and grace in our own lives and how the truth has so affected us in our own lives that when we speak God's truth to others, it is done so in love. It is through these things That we grow up together into the one head. It is through this, speaking to one another, this truth and love, using our gifts, forgiving one another, speaking the word to one another and to the to the outside world that that the body of Christ, as, and you'll notice that I didn't read the whole chapter here, but or the whole verse here in closing, but you see, whose body is it? It's Christ's. What is the goal of the body? To be more Christ-like. <laughs> to grow up into Christ. It's His body that He is joined together. It's His body that He equips. And He Himself is the goal of the growth and maturation of the body. Christ is all the fullness of the body. We are now the fullness of Christ and yet someday when He comes again we'll, we'll be perfected and that body will, will, will be brought to completion and we will truly be pure and holy as He is pure and holy. Our aim together as we love one another is that we collectively may grow up into the head who is Christ which means that we will be more and more and more Christ-like. That is, as the body, as the bride, we will more to the world, not as just individuals, but as the body reflect Christ himself. Does that make sense, at least if you get anything? That the body more reflects the beauty and the glory of God. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise your holy name. We have been called into the household of God. We are a part and members of the body of Christ. Our desire is to see the body perfected, to grow and to mature. Help us to love one another, Help us to speak the truth in love. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, not to neglect the needs of the saints and not to withdraw from the body. Help us to love, help us to love, help us to love. In Jesus' name, amen.